Pushing Rubber Podcast, episode 67. Adam Pickett coming to you from wintry, almost Holland. Uh, no snow this week, but lots of rain. And uh, your humble host picked up a very nasty bout of the flu, the dreaded male flu, which I have not had this bad in a very long time. Last Friday afternoon, it's now Wednesday afternoon. I'm still not over it. Brutal. Uh, that's why my posting has been a little bit uh, sporadic and well, I'm not as focused as I normally am this week. That's a cup of tea. That's what I've been living on. Tea uh, and whiskey, to be honest with you. Um, I It was very opportune. I read a few days ago an article. They did a test on a bunch of uh, different alcohol spirits, vodka, gin, bourbon, whiskey, and uh, all sorts of uh, rum and blah 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 testing on bacteria because the uh, the actual the actual uh, uh, subject was ice and the uh, quality of ice that's served in um, establishments and how much bacteria apparently they're they're teeming with bacteria I don't know how this happens I mean when I ran my bar slash nightclub disco tech I think Italian calls it. I mean we had uh, one of the one of the things I really splurged on was the ice machine. I just knew we needed a super duper uh, ice machine, and we had a great ice machine. Ran that pump out big big ice blocks, um, and that went straight from the ice machine straight into the the containers, which we sterilised on a regular basis. I don't, I don't know, you know, how it can be teeming with bacteria, but the fact is, is that okay? It's, I think I think if you examine any surface. <laughs> It's teeming with bacteria, you know. Anything, your car, your, I mean, people say, oh, you know, your cutting boards are teeming. Well, we're used to bacteria. Everything's teeming back with bacteria, but we're not all dying from, from, from having ice in our drinks in fucking, I'm talking Western countries. Huh? I mean, third world, Uganda, we didn't all order ice in our Warragi and tonic. Warragi was the local gin. We didn't order ice in your Warragi and tonic. It was just... The hip, you got you got served the Warragi in a hip flask glass bottle of, of Warragi. That was probably about a dollar US. Uh, and then you get your your tonic out of the it was a local tonic in a in a in a bottle with a cap that you had to use a bottle opener to open up or a lighter or something. And we just pour it ourselves into the glass. I mean, you just didn't order ice. You didn't order cut fruit. You didn't order any vegetables that were raw like salads or anything like that. You just didn't do that. Fucking third world, but first world, yeah, it's team with bacteria. It's fine, I don't know. It's just, for God's sake. So it's such a wishy-washy world these days. Got to protect them. Oh, oh, these toys are dangerous for kids. It's a sword. It's a plastic sword. It's da- what do you think of plastics? You could poke him in the eye. Poke himself in the eye with a pen. What the hell? You can poke him himself in the eye with a crayon. A crayon. Let's take a crayon. You give it to three-year-olds. Let's look at it, really. You know, shove it into your eye. It's not. It's not going to tickle, is it? The only kid I knew when I was growing up who hurt himself was a kid who lost one ball. That was pretty brutal. So we're playing. We had these fences growing up. They were asbestos fences. You can believe it or not. They divided all of the yards in Australia and Perth. And they were probably about about two meters high, I suppose. By the time you got to about eight or nine, you could 
you could jump up and haul yourself up over it. Anyway, they're supposed to have this cover. They, they were like a swirly pattern. If you look at it top down, you're looking. If you're hovering above the fence and you're looking at the fence top down, the fence wasn't a straight line. To, I suppose it was probably to do with the structural integrity of asbestos, but obviously straight line in asbestos is pretty like you can just probably put your fist through it pretty easily. So it was on these curves, like waves or sine curves sort of thing is, is what the fence fence was. So, um, and close together, like you couldn't put a fist between them sort of thing. Maybe just, just fit a child's fist between them. It was probably the thing. Obviously to do with the structural integrity of the fence. Anyway, along the top of this was supposed to be like a cap that ran the whole low way. So the top of the fence was just flat. Anyway, they tended to just, you know, we used to rip them off and hit them each other with them. Anyway, this kid was running along a fence, the top of the fence. He was probably about 10 or 11. This is a brutal story, by the way. Uh, so, you know, spoiler alert, skip the next 20 seconds if, you know, maybe in a couple of minutes I might really, I might really draw this out. He's running along the top of the fence and he's it's just like wearing, you know, kids' shorts. There's probably no underwear under them or anything. Slipped. He fell with one leg either side. Oh, it's brutal. The blood. I tell you, the blood when you burst your ball sack. Boys, you burst your ball sack. There's a lot of fucking blood. Oh, God. There's a lot of blood. He didn't even scream. It was like that, you know, the pain's beyond screaming. You don't even, you haven't got, you haven't got anything to scream with. <laughs> There's nothing there to scream, man. What I was, what I was teaching was teaching advanced, like whitewater rescue and first aid and stuff like that. And also the oil and gas in, offshore industry. We'd, we'd set up these things and we'd have like a whole bunch of actors there and this has been explosion, offshore oil and gas industry explosion. You've got to go in there and evaluate the situation. So we'd always have a few guys making a hell of a lot of a racket. If you can make a hell of a lot of racket, you're going to be okay. Yeah? Most part. The ones that you can really watch out for are the quiet ones. The ones who aren't making any noise at all, because that's because they're just hanging on and probably not even managing to do that. Always go for the quiet ones first. The ones that are screaming for your attention, I'm dying, I'm dying. It reminds me of that woman, I'll never forget it on the White Nile. American woman, of course, hysterical. Fuck American woman, Jesus God. Or don't, don't fuck American women. I feel sorry for you guys in America with your women. Your women are the worst in the world, I think. Like Australian women are really bad. New Zealand women are really bad and they're ugly. But American women just... Generalizations, of course. I'm talking generalizations. Your exceptions, though, are not going to be. That don't make the, the generalization real, people, as I say every time. Oh, God. American women. Jesus, my God. Um, anyway, so. Uh, on the White Nile, and this is fucking American woman. Oh, God, she's a painful customer. And they always. American women always overvalue themselves in the sexual market. Uh, sexual marketplace so much they always think they're at least three three places higher than they should be if not more it's just this 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 arrogant like why are you why are you expecting me to flirt with you in this way you're not you're not a seven and a half lately lady <laughs> you're not even fucking close god they overvalue themselves and and oh oh do they 
they not know how to take it when you're like not buying their bullshit. Anyway, American chick. She's probably in the mid thirties, so be on the wall. Take it down the white Nile. I'll flip her on total gunga at the G spot. Uh, big class five rapid, first class five rapid today. Uh, yeah, full on, full on rapid. Uh, Tato Ganga used to give me the heebie-jeebies because you'd uh, you'd do Boot Pujagali Falls, that's all right, and you'd do um, that was one with a couple of waves, can't remember what it was called, uh, and then you floated down. So you're only a kilometer into the trip, man. So it was still like ten a.m. or something, and we pull it. There's this big island, there's big rock on the river left side of the river. Massive rock that we just pulled in beside because it formed an eddy behind it. And then we'd sit there, wait for our safety kayaker to get there. It wasn't because safety kayakers would blow through. Our video kayaker had set himself up. And uh, you'd be sitting up there, maybe three rafts, something like that, just blobbing in it. And you just had the heebie-jeebies in your stomach. And you say, you have a chat to your crew. You say, all right, guys, this is the first class five rapid of the day. This is Total Gunga. Um, pretty wide at this point on the river. We've got a river, well, the whole river is almost a kilometre wide at this point, but it's divided into channels by all these islands which are covered in, it's all underwater now with the, the dam they put in place, but it was all, it was all islands there and it, it would channel it out. So the channel we were at was about, probably about 200 metre wide rapid and the rapid was probably about 800 metres long. Um, and uh, huge, huge water volumes, of course, and we're talking three, three and a half thousand cubic meters of water a second. Big, big, big. Um, and uh, there was this. Uh, basically, if you look downstream at Total Gunga, on the river right was a class three section. That's where our our competition rafting company competition ran. They were called uh, NRE, uh, not Nile River Explorers. They were called a bunch of South African pussies. Uh, we, 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 we claimed that NRE stood for not really exciting and they just, they had smaller rafts, they had 14 footers and we were running the 18 footer, uh, Avons, um, and highlights. So, you know, they, they just couldn't, they couldn't take them down where we were taking them, but they used to talk up big time. Well, that's okay. If you've got a smaller raft and you can't raft, you know, the class five line, and you have to raft the class three, three plus, fine, there's no problem, but don't go around town talking it up like you're the heroes and we're the pussies, because, you know, that's not, not, not kosher. Switch the middle of the rapid, you got your class five line. Now, rapids are graded from one to six. One is your bathtub, and six is your dead. So class five is your highest commercially runnable. Uh, on the Colorado River... They grade it differently. The only river in the world they had to have their own special Colorado Colorado River fucking grading system, because you're a bunch of wankers. I tell you what, Colorado rafting guides that I met around the world had two things in common. One, they couldn't guide their finger up their nose because they sat on the same river year after year, and it was taxi driving. All right, taxi driving, and two. They were uniformly jerk-offs. Absolute wankers. I tell you what, Colorado River guys. I got invited on a few Colorado River trips. I was like, I don't want to go to your stupid fucking river because I'd have to deal with you cunts. Oh, my God. Colorado River. Anyway, they got, they got their own special grading system. It's like out of 10. But they probably go up to 11. Oh, 
<sighs> anyway, so middle of this rapid total gun goes class five. But you zero and it's about this is like 150 meters wide at this point. Uh far left, river left. So when we say river left, we mean looking down the river from top down. My left or your river left? Uh, river left was class six. Uh, you didn't want to go in there. Um, it was just horrible. It was, it was, it was like just don't go in there. Just a very, 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 very evil, evil part of the river. Just I never saw anyone go in there. I never wanted to see anyone go in there. Like looking at the at the guiding that river, um, you only you only realised how. How could you have to be to guide that river when we got someone in who, who, whose skills went up to it? It was just like, because basically, with 150 mo- well, a 200-meter wide river at that point, and a rapid is around 800 meters to a, yeah, about 800 meters long, you have to set yourself up. As soon as we pulled out of that eddy and we floated down and the, wa- the water was getting faster and it, the current kind of swirled off to the left and it was all whirl- big whirlpools there and stuff, you were setting your raft up from that point. That's where you were setting your raft up. That's how far ahead you had to be thinking on this because the water currents were so strong, you just wouldn't get to where you needed to be. And the only way you could get in trouble at the top was if you overcompensated because you, you had to go into this rapid pointing left with a left-hand angle. And you had to go in on the left side, pointing left. Don't forget, the left part was the death trap where you couldn't go in a million years. But you've got to go in, right, pointing left on the left-hand side. And that's because of the way the currents were moving. You, like, just imagine right now you can see my my hand. And I'm sitting straight in the, in the desk and I've got my hand pointed at a far left angle. And I'm coming in, like, just moving my hand in front of me. So my hands are basically moving sideways. And let's say my hand goes up a little bit because we come over a rise. And as we come over the top of that rise, because that was the the rise of the wave, yeah? But it wasn't a breaking wave. It was just like a hump of the river. As we come over, you're going to straighten her up. You're going to correct her. If you kept pointing left, you'd be in serious shit. So at this point, (coughs) you straighten up. Do this too early, you're in a world of pain. Do it too late, you're in a world of pain. Straighten up, up we come, over the rise. And now you call a forward paddle. You've still got a slightly left angle. You're heading for one part of the of the class five area. Big hole called the G spot. Very hard to hit, very hard to find. Thus its name. Only only rapid I've ever named in the world. Only part of a rapid I've ever named personally that stuck. And then it had to go underwater with a big fucking dam. Yeah, will you believe it? Yeah. Over you come over this rise. Call a forward paddle at this point. Boom. You've already had called a forward paddle before, but then you've stopped. So you call a forward paddle coming into the rapid and this lead up, big lead up. Then you stop. You get your angle right. You never try to get your angle right while you're cruise paddling. It's not going to work because they can't paddle in time. It's going to be all over the spot. You're just after some, some momentum from them. Come in, call a stop. Get your angle set. Call a forward paddle as you come up over the rise and then you finish her off while you've got your forward momentum. And now you've got to keep your guys paddling. And you're paddling straight for this uh, this hole, the G-spot. To give you an idea of the size of it, it's a breaking hole, so it's white water in front of you. Think of it like a breaking wave on a beach, but it's in place. It just stays breaking in the same place. Sit on the floor in your house, look up at your roof and in front of the wall, and the whole wall in front of you is white water, and it's probably a bit higher than that. 
probably about a 14 footer. It's big. Um, your crew has to paddle almost up to the end. If they stop paddling, you lose momentum and you'll be pushed left. We understand. So your crew couldn't freeze up. If you had a crew that was going to freeze up, you couldn't take them into the G-spot. The consequences of freezing up in the G-spot was getting pushed left into the nasty, nasty place. So in that case, you just take them in the center of the class five, which was still a bumpy ride. Believe you me, it was still a bumpy ride. Uh, and, and the guts, the most of the rapid was after the G-spot, after this sort of line in the river. And there, was a, there was just a huge hole after huge hole here, but nothing that would kill you. Anyway, you're calling a forward paddle straight for the G-spot. Ho hopefully the two guys in the front who are paddling haven't frozen up from fear. They keep paddling. The last movement called a get down. You hit. As a guide, you've probably thrown your paddle away at this point, and you're just holding on, wait to see if you're going to flip or not. And seven out, seven out of times out of ten. Seven out of ten, you'll flip. One out of ten, you'll have a big surf. Uh, anyway, we flipped, obviously. It was total fucking smashed to bits. Had this American chick on the raft. Come up down the bottom, you know. And I've, I'm a, I've swum over back to the raft. I'll go back to the raft. I'm on top of the upside-down raft, counting heads. Safety kayakers are bringing me paddles, blah, 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 blah. Oh, and by the way, the, the aim on the Nile was to flip. Yeah. That was on any other river I worked in the world. The aim was not to have a person overboard because the consequences of having them overboard was not good, and flipping was not a good thing. But on the Nile, they were paying 100 US a day. And this is 15 years ago, 16, 17, 18 years ago, and uh, there were only really eight rapids on a 25 kilometer section of river. You wanted to give them their money's worth. Yeah. So yeah, bang, smashed it. Uh, counting heads, American floats up, screaming at the top of her lungs, hysterical, hysterical woman, American, hysterical woman, is there any other kind of an American, hysterical woman? I don't think so. Screaming at the top of her lungs. And what's she screaming? I can't breathe. I can't breathe. Californian accent, which is obviously the most annoying American accent of all in women, is Californians. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. And I'm fucking freaking out, man. She's freaking. She's floating right up to me, by the way. And we're in a pool. We're in a pool of water. Right? The great thing about the Nile was you had this huge death-defying fucking rapid. And then straight after it, this enormous pool about a kilometre and a half long. We're all, we, yeah, that's sweet. You're floating. Well, yeah. Hysterical. In the pool. It's barely fucking moving current. Hysterical. Grab her by the fucking... Lean over. I, she, she floats up to me. I see the whites of her eyes screaming, I can't breathe. Grab her by the fucking life jacket. Pull her up so we're face to face. She's not in the raft. She's in the water. I'm in the raft looking down. And I say, if you can talk, you can breathe. And I face... She's like, oh. And then I fucking throw her into the raft. And that's the whole point. I was getting to it in a very roundabout way, taking me 20 minutes to get a roundabout way to say, if they're making noise, they're okay. Mentally, maybe not. They're not making noise. You got a problem. This kid fell off the fence, lost a ball out of his ball sack, did not make a sound for a long time. <laughs> anyway. 
So yeah, I got the dreaded man flu and it's been brutal. It's been really brutal. Weekend was brutal. I still managed to get an article out Saturday and Sunday. Monday was brutal. I couldn't write anything yesterday. You're lucky I'm doing this podcast. You are so lucky I'm doing this podcast. Uh, or maybe you're not. Maybe you're not lucky that I'm doing this podcast. Who knows? Who knows? We'll get the votes in. They don't do votes on SoundCloud. Thank Christ. Uh, what's the day? The 20th of uh, December. Five. So that, what's that? Four more sleeps? Four more sleeps till Christmas? Hope you're going to get some nice prezzies this year, boys and girls. Uncle Adam sent you something in the mail, obviously. Uh, no, he hasn't. No one said shit. Um, what I want to talk about today is uh, chicks. And I've already been speaking about chicks, obviously, so far with all of this uh, uh, stuff we've been talking about, about stupid fucking American women. Uh, Vox Day had an article up this week. Equality, in inverted commas, means the girls must win. And there was a tale about some guy and his kids at school and the boy was chucked out of the team because he was uh, a, a girl. I'm, I'm, sorry, he was a boy. And they wanted girls. And so quit on the spot. Blah, blah, blah. And then our Vox comes up with, uh, with this. This is an example of why no man should ever be chivalrous in competition with women. Crush the opposite sex without mercy every time they dare to step foot on a level playing field. Because far too few of them have any intention of playing fair with men and boys. True, 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 true. I've mentioned before that when I coached a boys' soccer team, we once played in a tournament against all-girls team that was blatantly favoured by the referee, so much so that my players were being called for their fouls, as in their opposition's fouls, and even had a goal disallowed for a non-existent foul after the goal was scored. And this was after I'd taken out all my starters since we were up 3-0. So... I taught the opposing coach, the referee, and my boys a lesson by putting all of the starters back in and telling them to score at will. I don't remember what the final score was, but it was in the teens, and the girls never even came close to scoring. The boys were brutally unmerciful. Both the starters and the subs were furious, and each unnecessary goal was cheered as if it was the winning one. The lesson was this. Those who don't play fair don't merit any sporting mercy. I don't have any objection to genuinely gifted girls who really need to play with the boys in order to fully develop their skills. My favourite player on one of Ender's team, I think that's his son, a few years ago is now a junior international and will probably be called up to the women's national team within the next two years. So she, she's an average player. She'd be beaten by 16-year-old boys. But in 42 years of playing soccer, probably one of the few things I don't like about Vox Day's soccer, she's the only girl I've ever met who merited that sort of accommodation. Anyway. Uh, blah, 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 blah. <coughs> Uh, I've written a few articles about women's sporting competitions, competition in inverted commas, the Women's Australian Football League. Uh, I've written two or three ones. Uh, it's a total joke. I think I think, I think think the article was called, It is a Total Joke. Uh, it, women in sports is just wrong. Uh, but look, if they want to run around and have their own little competition, it's all girls playing the girls. It's perfectly fine. They're not doing each other any harm. Keeping the wall away, maybe, a little bit. Keeping the fat off, um, but when they start, they start wanting to, you know, play against the boys and play with the boys and rah 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 rah. rah. I mean, I think when you're up to, up to about eight, you can get away with it. Eight years old. In fact, up to about eight, sometimes the the girls are better players than boys, just because the the girls get the killer instinct uh, and the win at all costs instinct earlier than boys do boys boys young boys like you know under eight years old are more 
are more trying to work out their own skills and where they stand in relation in the pecking order amongst the boys out there. Their place in the team, literally. That's what they're trying to work out. Uh, girls don't really care about skills, and they're not in the boys' pecking order, so they're just out there to be brutally unmerciful. And you'll generally find in these in these under eight year old sort of comps that the girls are generally superior to the boys. Uh, this gets um, inexperienced uh, parents, particularly fathers, uh, in a state of flummox where they think that their girl is actually the greatest thing of all time, uh, and she's going to be the best the best when she and they put a lot of effort to it you say, i mean, think i think eight-year-old girls would probably be the, the that'd be the, the the top point i'd say for sporting interest from fathers prowess you know that's where that's where, because after that the boys start to get well not competitive they just they, they, they're not even on the same graph anymore you know they're not even on the same line um and 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 then of course you know if the dad persists with the girl then sooner or later little little slugger's going to get some breasts and uh, then she's going to become interested in boys and then it's all over the majority of women play professional sport uh have either been pushed into it by parents who are absolutely um authoritarian you can i mean there's a reason that so many professional women's whatever tennis players or whatever have fucking ugly parents syndrome because to to keep your chicky babe focused for that long and keep her in that you just have to be brutal absolutely brutal um or they're you know they're they're basically they're not really chicks they're like they're like they're like manly girls manly women as you get girly men you know what i mean um now manly women used to go in a convents so they did you're never gonna get you're never gonna get if you were never gonna have a chance to get married and having your kids off to the convent with you and that's why you wouldn't have all the social justice warrior problems you know 100 years ago it was the closing of the convents was when that all started to happen you know men what about girly men men who weren't real men they just went into fucking into the books you know they went into the universities into the monasteries there you go the same thing yeah. women are supposed to be able to have you know attract a, a mate and be able to have children and, and men are supposed to go out there and hit people in the head that's how it works people women in sport there's no women in, there is no women's sport i find interesting nothing uh, i don't enjoy women playing golf don't enjoy it women playing chess don't enjoy it would never watch it men playing chess sure women playing chess no it's not interesting because they're just they're not they're not the best they're not the best they're not competitive you know just just don't find it interesting at all there are however very rarely uh vox said he's found one chick in 42 years of playing soccer that was different these are women who love to compete but do so in a feminine way. They keep their femininity while they're doing it. I think uh, a good example of that was the hot Russian tennis, tennis player from a few years ago. She never won a fucking tournament to save her life. What was her name? Uh, you all know who I'm talking about. But she, 
No one cared. No one cared how she played tennis. And you know what? She knew it. She wasn't out there pretending that fucking she was God's gift to tennis. She knew what the score was. She absolutely knew what the score was. It was brilliant. It was fantastic. I'll tell you another one who's, who's similar. I think this is, the, this is the kind of chick that I find the most interesting in sport. Australian women's surfer Sally Fitzgibbons. Now, you look it up. Sally and then Fitzgibbons, F-I-T-Z-G-I-B-B-O-N-S. She just, she's just a joyous, joyous woman who gets so much joy out of competing, who just loves surfing, but, but keeps her femininity about it. It, it. it doesn't hurt that she's hot. Of course it doesn't hurt that she's hot. That's the whole point. Yeah. And I, I got her Wikipedia page up, and it's quite, uh, it's quite interesting that um, on her Wikipedia page, it's surf. It's she's first line born, yeah. Surfing career, yeah, all of that. Career victories, all of that. Results, yeah, all of that. Other sports, all of that. That's it. What's missing? Come on. Female sports star Wikipedia page. What's missing from that? Personal life. Don't know if she's married. Don't know if she's single. There's nothing, nothing about any, any, any interest. She, she's not involved in. She's not an activist for any fucking cause that I can see. I could be wrong, by the way. I could be wrong. But you normally, ninety-five percent of the time, you see this shit on their Wikipedia page. Yeah. She's, she keeps her private life private. In other words, smart girl. Smart girl. That's a that's a that's a, a female sporting icon chick I can watch. I can watch. Because I'm not watching I'm not watching her for her to win a tournament. I'm not watching her for her competitiveness. I'm not watching her for her skills. I'm watching her for a brilliant example of of femininity um, that is uh, six, wildly successful in the sport but doesn't betray her femininity at the same time. I knew a few female river guides like that as well. They competed with, they, they, they held their own against the other guys. They had to work incredibly hard. And they kept their femininity the whole time. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful rafting guides. Wonderful girls. Um, very rare to come across. Very, very rare. The majority of chicks just play dirty. And now we're getting lots more lots more chicks in, in rafting and whitewater rafting. I've written a few articles about them. They're all complaining about the misogyny, you know, and how we need to get more women in the sport. I tell you what, you won't you'll never get you'll never get Sally Fitzgibbons going around surf, saying surfing these, I want to have more chicks. She just does she wouldn't give a fuck. She wouldn't give a fuck if there were more chicks. It's not what it's about for her. More chicks, less chicks, bigger chicks, smaller chicks. She doesn't care. Yeah. As long as she should compete, it's fine. The ones, once you get in, it's like, oh, we want more chicks. Oh, and you know, women need to do. Uh, you're playing dirty. You're not. You're not there for what the real reason is. Yeah. You're there for what you think the real reason is. You're there. You're there for what you think everyone else is there for. You're projecting, big time. Big time. The same with all, all girls' sports are like this. All girls' sports. Maybe one interesting girls' sport. Women's tennis don't make me laugh. Don't make me laugh. Three sets. Grand, who would ever pay money to go watch the the final at Wimbledon between the women? Right, three sets, you know, and, and most of the times it's six love, six one, six love. This is nothing in it. 
you know, some fucking some fucking American black chick with 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 shoulders shoulders like a, a semi trailer truck walks out, you know, <laughs> over and what what's that? What's that at the other end of the court? What's that? What's that? What's that ready ready smudge on the car? That was the opponent. It's not fucking. This is this is not interesting. What else? What else we got? Women's boys. Women's women. Women's soccer. Women's soccer. I mean, really? The Australian soccer women's soccer team had to train against uh, a schoolboy under sixteen year old male side leading up to the Olympics, and they lost sixteen nil or fifteen nil or something. Oh, the and their coach was, and their women's women's Australian national women's Olympic teams coach was like, oh, but the boys played really well on the day. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? What? God, women's cycling. Do we give a shit about that? Do you? No one gives a shit about fucking that. What? Why name me one sport? Women's sport. Come on, one. What? Okay, beach volleyball. Uh, you'd think I'd say beach volleyball. They're not that attractive. They're not that attractive. They're just their bodies are too hard. You know, there's no there's no roundness. There's no softness. There's no curves. It's all edges. Men are edges. Yeah, women are pillows. Women are pillows. That's what they are. You want to get into bed with them and snuggle up to them. It's just like this, this soft, warm embrace. You know what edges? These hard lines. These, these, you know, women who do bodybuilding. It's just probably the most unattractive. You can take the most gorgeous woman in the world and make her a powerlifter. Oh my God! It's just you just lose everything about femininity. So what are we looking at these women out in these pictures? What are we looking at them doing, running around there, trying to be blokes? It's absolutely ridiculous. I love this post. This article. This comment from fox they get on the playing field crush them crush them utterly crush them you should see read some of the comments some of the comments i think the comments are fucking better than the post itself from foxes there's a few comments here let me go down a bit uh there's a whole thing there was a lot of comments about this guy years ago tennis player called Riggs who played Billy G King years ago and threw the match or something Bobby Riggs or something like that anyway uh here we go I wrestled in high school in the 80s and apparently graduated just a year or two before they started letting girls wrestle on the boys team thank goodness <coughs> from what I heard it was a nightmare at first boys would forfeit a match against a girl or go in with kid gloves out of natural desire not to hurt a woman a friend of mine who was more in touch with my school's wrestling program at the time told me that there was a girl who was supposedly, in, in quote, making a name for herself as a great wrestler, mainly because of the above. Finally, a coach who couldn't take it anymore told one of his boys who had a scheduled match with her to make her quit and insisted over his objections. So he went out intending to make her suffer. She left the mat in tears after the first period and quit wrestling altogether. If that's not a heartwarming story, I don't know what is. <laughs> Oh dear, dear, dear God! Uh, what's got another one? Um, oh, no, that guy was an idiot, idiot. Uh, um, um, I remember a rugby match where a player from one of the women's teams insisted on taking the pitch with the men. Fucking hell, women's rugby, especially like uh, New Zealand. New Zealand has the ugliest white women in the world by far. It's like it's like genetically, all the pig dogs went there. And you know, I just, just absolutely horrific. I think I've met how many hot Kiwi 
I've got one. I know one very, very hot Kiwi girl I used to know quite well. Emma, if you're listening, Emma. Yes, yes, you, you are hot. Uh, but for, for the most part, oh my God, they are, they are, they are absolute pig dogs. You know, they, 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 they chase parked cars. That's what they do. Really, the ugly stick is, is, is. I think they sell it in uh, in Target or something. The ugly stick. Like you get pregnant, you go buy yourself an ugly stick and beat yourself over the head with it before you know. I don't know. So ugly. <coughs> but New Zealand women's rugby teams. Oh my god. Oh my god. I just can't even. I can't even. Let's uh, get up. Go on an image search now. Whatever. Whatever search. Go NZ. Women's, there we go. All you need to do is go NZ Women and it comes up NZ Women's Rugby Team. Let's go Images. Jesus, Mother of God. Oh my God. I, I can't believe some of those are women. My God, they are unattractive. They are holy, holy hell. Let's have a look at this one here. This isn't the national team. This is just your average down-the-park team. Okay, from left to right, uh, five, six, five, four, three, 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 four. Eh, she's bangable. Six, two, one. <laughs> I mean, this is just horrible. Just look like, look at any random, what is it? What is it? Anyway, back to this comment. I remember a rugby match where a player from one of the women's team insisted on taking the pitch with the men. It wasn't a league game for us, so somehow she got out there. No one wanted her in the mix. Well, if no one wanted her in the mix, what was she doing in the mix? Lots of girl power yelling from the women on the sidelines. You go, girl. You go, girl. Within a couple of minutes, she was on the ground with a serious leg injury. I remember her lesbian partner was running around yelling, what did you do, what did you do, while a man carried her off the pitch. Says it all, really, doesn't it? Let's have a look. Um... Cheating to let the girls win. Cheating to let the girls win. There was another really good comment down at the, uh, uh, around the bottom. Ah, oh, this is it. In high school, we had an intramural sport. I don't even know what that means. Called three-line football. The, the rules aren't really that important, other than to note that there were three players on each side and it was played in a gymnasium. In my senior year, two of my buddies and I decided to get slaughtered by the real football players while having a few laughs. So we named ourselves the Hosebags. I like it. And filed our paperwork to join the tournament. Admittedly, our form was turned in a bit late. And certainly Coach Hart hated one of the guys on my team. But rather than denying our application, he apparently decided to teach us another lesson. He put us in the girls' league. I suspect he thought we would quit in shame. Now... I was a sissy CC boy, I don't know what that means, but my and my teammates weren't athletes unless chain smoking is a sport. Still, we ploughed through the early tournament with little effort, but trouble was coming our way. 
There was a team in the other bracket we called Team Amazon, made up of three girls who had played multiple ball control sport together since grade school. They would lead our girls' BB team, is that baseball? To state that year, and their college to the Volleyball Nationals a few years later. They were equally dominating their opponents, and it quickly became obvious that we were going to face them in the finals. Now, there would have been no shame in three non-football-playing guys dropping a game of football to, well, that wasn't going to happen. The hosebags took the floor and the game. They never even scored on us. Then Coach Hart handed them the trophy. They are the champions, my friends. Lesson learned. Beautiful. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Uh, girls girls can't complete on, an, on a level playing field with boys. So the first thing that happens when you get girls coming into the sport is they they reduced they reduced the level playing field in some way they they stopped making a living play it's not about it it's not about isn't it funny how they always scream equality 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 okay all right all right well, let's have serena williams play roger federer in the fucking fed cup final next 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 year then okay you know let's let's have serena williams play boris boom boom becker Who's you know bankrupt and fifty five years old and she's like come on, let's let's have her play Boris Becker and see how she goes right now. I mean, it's just a joke. Women's sport is a joke. Women are a joke on the playing field, apart from some very 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 wonderful exceptions. Sally Fitzgibbons being right at the top of that chart. Uh, I don't know if any of you uh, listeners can think of any chicks. There's a, there was the World Athletics Championships this year, I think, and there was a Dutch sprinter at it. I think she won um, the 200 metres or the 100 metres or something like that. Beat all, uh, beat all of the um, black chicks from fucking, you know, Jamaican countries or something. It was, it was awesome to watch. Uh, and uh, she was cool. I don't mind... I don't mind... Uh, female athletics... They've just got to be hot. They've got to be hot. They've got to have curves. They've got to have curves. You know? That's it's, it's all there is to it. They've got to be hot. No, I'm, I'm sorry. Oh, that's all I've got to say about women's sport. What else is there to say about women's sport? Apart from the fact that if you get, if you get chicks coming into your boys' team, they're going to they're gonna ruin it for everyone. Ruin it for everyone. Keep them out. Keep them out. Uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about this week, uh, Tim Newman over at uh, the Desert Sun blog, who's on my blog uh, list, had an article up uh, uh, this week about a murder in Beirut. Uh, this long intro to it. And it's about, it's about expat chicks going to places like Dubai and stuff like that and getting with Lebanese you know, boyfriends and blah, 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 blah. And it's about um, English girls going out and dating, like, you know, African guys or something like that. Um, here's, here's what I wrote. Something I observed, observed and learned the hard way myself in my travels around the world. Working out the class background of someone is extremely difficult if you're not from their culture. I can pick out a British... Um, shav in seconds simply by the clothes habits and vocabulary i've learned to do it with russians too but that took some time uh, tim spent quite a long time in russia otherwise if i'm honest um i have no idea who's who when i first encounter them 
This poses a problem for men turning up in Thailand, for example. Let me quit this here. Um, they have no idea that the girl they met in the bar is actually a peasant from the jungle on the Cambodian border who grew up in a hut and has four years of schooling. Middle-class Thai women exist, but they don't mingle with foreigners on holidays and sure as hell don't dance on tables in bars in Pattaya and go home with some fat fuck on the back of a scooter. A lot of the guys who turned up in Sakhalin didn't realise the pretty, seemingly classy women they fell in love with spoke a rough version of Russian littered with profanity and grammatical areas, something which would mark them out as lower class in Moscow and St. Petersburg. When I was in Lagos, I had a colleague who was British Nigerian. What is that? Why, why are you doing this, Tim? There's no such thing as British Nigerian, okay? No such thing. And he married a British Nigerian woman. There we go again. He married a black chick. She came out to visit for a while and joined us at the pool in the Eco Hotel in Lagos. There's a bar area next to it, which is a favorite spot for the local prostitutes to pick up expats. My colleague's wife saw this and her eyes went wide. What stunned her was that these Western men were talking canoodling with absolute low-grade peasant women. The types ordinary Nigerians stay well clear of. Being a middle-class Nigerian, she could see what class of women they were, but the expat men couldn't. She was still talking about how shocked she was when she came to leave two weeks later. Uh, similarly, similarly, my or similarly, ugh, my well-educated and middle-class Turkish friend is absolutely astounded by the willingness of, willingness of British and Russian women to sleep with Turkish barmen, waiters, and boatmen who come from remote villages in the country's east and can barely read, write, and hold cutlery. These women would never in a million years be interested in some villagers from their own countries, but faced with a swarthy foreigner, they can't pick his class and are blinded by the exoticism. exoticism. The same was true for the girls who dated Lebanese men in Dubai. Story goes on. It was about English she got killed in uh, Beirut or something. Turned out to be by an Uber driver. But uh, this got me thinking about my time in Uganda. I never, I never slept with a... Uh, any any local chicks in Uganda? Never. I've never actually slept with a black chick. Call me racist. Never slept with an Asian chick either. Call me racist. Don't. I don't know. For me, it was just always a boundary. And this is as a rafting guy, we were sleeping with lots of chicks. But for me, it was just uh, it was just one step to. It was a boundary that I didn't cross. It was like an internal barrier that I had that I have, and I think maybe it was because. <coughs> you get me a European woman by descent, um, and I can pick a class. I can pick a Dutch girl's class. I can pick uh, from what, what area of society comes. But I, I don't want to be going with with lower class women either. You know, they're generally not that fun to be around, and their motives are all, always ulterior. And yeah, there's always exceptions, but you know, an upper middle class guy I was never not, never going to be going out with. With, with lower class chicks because that's just the way it is that's the way it works um, and so when I was in Uganda looking back at it I think I think well, I read this bit of Tim passage of Tim's here and I was like yeah that makes a bit of sense that's probably what part of the stuff that was going through my mind uh, these Uganda women were were wow the local bar we used to hang out at Al's bar in Kampala on Gabba Road um Al, used, Al was a uh, uh, sometime English gangster, I think, from the East End of London, who fled, uh, I think he fled, fled some sort of murder rap in London in the 70s and went out to uh, Uganda when Idi Amin was there. Um, set up his own bar. Don't know if it's still there. If 
Fuck, that'd be interesting. I mean, he'd be pretty old now. He'd be pretty old. Let's have a look. Alsbar. Alsbar. Kampala, Uganda. Fuck, there we go. Kablagala. There we go. What do they say about it? Alsbar, Trav Buddy. I've never heard of it before. This is the one place in Kampala that is considered by the locals as the forbidden apple. It is a little difficult to describe Al's Bar because it is not your ordinary bar or pub nor restaurant. How do I describe this place? If you want to party till you drop dead in the company of a... Drop the music is very Western, but the bar style fits in with the African city. I don't know. My girlfriends and I used to frequent Al's Bar way back. When I returned home last year, I stopped by briefly and found that I was no longer in the league of those that party there. It was quite simply wild. Uh, bar runs till dawn. For the gentlemen, beware the ladies in the night. If you are alone, you just might have 10 women all over you. There are many foreigners who go to Owl's Bar and they do have tales to tell about this place. All in all, it is an adventurous place to visit among the nightlife entertainment places. Do not miss visiting Owl's Bar. Um, That's pretty funny. What's the date on that? Uh, 2009. So, So still going strong. Al, at the time, used to travel around uh, East Africa to different countries like Kenya, Tanzania, up to Ethiopia, Somalia even, uh, Burundi, and he'd be, he'd be basically shopping for the, the hottest chicks he could find. Now, you're not going to be shopping hot chicks in the, in the middle, middle class that exists in Africa, let alone the upper class. You're going to have to go out to the dregs, to the slums, basically. Um, and Al had a great eye. I mean, these girls, uh, so they weren't, and he put these girls in the bar. He put them up, he paid, you know. I think, I don't know what he, what deal they had. I've got no idea. I don't even want to know what deal they had. These girls had no morals. Um, they couldn't have been, they weren't, they weren't your standard, it wasn't a standard, you're thinking hookers. No, it wasn't. They weren't, they were good time girls. I think, but he didn't make, he didn't run any prostitutes because there was just no money in it. Like you could, you could take one of these girls back to your place. I never did. Uh, but so many of the guides brought him back to the guide house. I mean, I don't know, $2, $3 US. Seriously. I think that was, um, or pay their, pay their cab fare back home and they'd split it. They'd probably split it with the cabbie and have a deal. And that's how they make their money. That's, so this is, there was no money in it. The money that Al made was the amount of money that we put over that bar. Um, so he just he just went around and fucking found as many of the hottest chicks from and he had a good eye. I mean, these girls were well, there were some skanky skanky ones, but the skankiest ones were probably a six, and the hot ones were around nines. I mean, <coughs> some of these, uh, especially the Ethiopian, <coughs> Somalian chicks, could be just statuesque. I mean, we're talking, they look like fucking supermodels, man. Supermodels uh, with the with the morals of an alley cat, um, a, a Mogadishian alley cat. I mean, just, oh, my God. Uh, so I never I never touched them with a barge pole. Of course, the, the AIDS rate in Africa was through the roof, absolutely through the roof. Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. Um, I mean, they used to play pool, billiards, pool all the time up there. Uh, nine ball, um, 
And one, you had to have, there was like a chalk, there was a chalkboard you to put your name and you're waiting in line. And one of the girls signed it HIV plus. I mean, I mean, just just wrong, you know, on some so many levels. But so hot. There was one girl there we called the Oh My God Girl. That was her name, the Oh My God Girl. Because every time you looked at her, you just went, oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God, girl. That's what it was. Holy crap, was that girl good looking. You just you just you just looked at her and you you were just like you couldn't you couldn't stop looking at her. But it was a line I never crossed. And then, of course there was like the, the I'm not just talking owls, but I'm talking about the locals in the street. Like, you know, we were we were just river guys, we were just scungy river guys, we we're getting around in the bloody the, the the local the rafting company car, the drift car, van ute <coughs> whatever you want to call it. Hey, I need some tea. And, uh, but sometimes we take local little Mataru buses, man. They'd be like, you know, it's like a, it's a Toyota high ace bus van thing. That uh, 24 people, 25 people easy in there stuffed in together. This is like, this is what the, you're, you're, you're mixing in with the, and they were always, the locals were always like, what are these white people doing riding on that? Shouldn't you be in a limousine or a chartered jet or something? And we're just like, they didn't get that. We were there on the bones of a fucking ass. Oh, my throat. God almighty. God for black tea. Um, and there were some. There were some girls who rode some of those Matado buses. So this is a, this is local girls in Kampala City in Uganda. You know, going to work every day. You, you, you get to know them by sight. Fuck, some of them are gorgeous. Oh my god, beautiful, 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 beautiful women. <coughs> Never touched them. And one of the reasons was looking at this thing with with article with Tim. I just couldn't work out the class. I couldn't work out what the... Well, I, I had a pretty decent idea if they were on a Matadu. Pretty decent idea what their class was. I was just like, I'm not going there. I'm not going there. I just... It was just too much trouble. It, And I felt I felt it was taking advantage of them. I really did. And it was. You were taking advantage. They wanted to be taken advantage of. By the way, the middle class girls weren't any better. Oh, there was an, there was a sec there was a scene in my first book pushing rubber downhill where I'm we go to a nightclub or something this was middle class man we walked in to this place and all these middle class Ugandans in there dancing away and us white guys walked in and fucking chicks were just walking up to us these middle class going yeah you want to fuck me you want to fuck me now rah, 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 rah. they wanted to have a white boyfriend man they wanted to have a white boy it was gonna be it was like my Mzungu boyfriend that's all they fucking they thought that was the shit man the shit they were just so unattractive because this was just like fuck off go away oh, oh you're scared of black chicks no, no i'm not scared of black chicks this is you guys are you chicks are revolting fuck off oh god there were some there were there were some guides there that we worked with some western guides who just plowed through the locals literally this could never be respect for that couldn't have any respect for it at all. There was only one guide I had respect for. That was a guide we worked with who dated a local Ugandan girl who's, I think, her father were politicians. I think she was upper middle class or something like that. Uh, lovely girl. And you just really, really saw the difference. And he ended up marrying her and taking her back to Australia. They have five kids and still together. And she was... She was uh, she was top notch, um, and she hated the hookers. Oh, the, the lower class Ugandan hookers that 
other guides used to bring back to the guide house. She was like, what are you guys doing? She had a point. She had a real point. Ah. Anyway, shout-outs. Captain Capitalism. Uh, Cappy sent me an email this week. I haven't replied to him yet because I've been so sick. So sorry, Cappy. I sent me a photo of him and his first cooking. Uh, um, let me get it up here. Let's have a look. Because Cappy's trying to learn how to cook. Good on him. Uh, Aaron Clary, Captain Capitalism. Let's have a look here. Um, he's got a photo of him. Um, you need to shave, Cappy. He's got broccoli there. I don't know if he's prepared it the way I described to prepare green beans in my uh, uh, Sunday chicken roast explanation, but it looks like he might have. They've got that oily, they've got that sheen of maybe he's got some olive oil over it. And some type of uh, cooked, I'm going to assume that that's some sort of salmon, I think, that he's put can't really tell it's in foil though it's got to be fish good on him uh looking at cappy's kitchen he's got green tea that has to be the girlfriends i'm assuming because i i didn't think that, that aaron was uh, gay um so aaron clary captain capitalism is the name of his uh, website is uh principal sponsor of this here podcast he has numerous books to his credit all around economics and getting your shit together as a man uh, with regards to your economics. A uh, big part of that, of course, is college, as in Don't Go. He's got a great book about that, Worthless. Uh, he also has a wonderful consultancy business called Arsehole Consulting, where he will answer your questions. I'll tell you what, I'm starting to get... I'm starting to get... I'm opening my uh, my blog email, because it's not my main email. I'm opening my blog email. I'm getting like... I'm getting like... I'm getting a question almost every day now, and it used to be like once every two or three weeks. Um, some of these, some of this is just a little bit. I have to put effort into this. I have to put my time. I have to put my expertise. I might go down Cappy's road. You know, I might. I might just. If you want me to a- answer these questions that you, you guys are sending me, then, and you want my experience, and you want me to help you out, you just. I just might charge. I just might charge for it. You know, I might just say a straight, straight 100, 100 euros as a starting point. 100 euros as a starting point. Sort it all out, men from the boys who are really serious. Because if you are really serious, if you are really serious, um, then then uh, that sort of money is like, I mean, people go to the shops, so oh, I need to go have some beers out with the boys, they don't even hesitate. Oh, you want me to, you want me to help fix your, your fucked up life? Well, fucking invest some money in it. You know, have some skin in the game. Have some skin in the game. I might do the same thing as Aaron. Not to the not the consultancy business or anything, but you know, I get these. I'm getting like every day. Every day I'm getting emails. I got one today. Got one yesterday. Some guy today about she choose between American and European women. I don't know. Oh, so I'm, I might just I might just charge. I might just charge it up. Maybe the blog will change around a bit in New Year. You know, maybe the blog. Anyway, thanks for listening. Uh, if you like this, subscribe to the podcast. Um, you can also go and check out my blog, Pushing Rubber Downhill. You can subscribe to that. Uh, you can buy my books, Pushing Rubber Downhill and Run Guts, Pull Cones on Amazon Book Depository from your local bookstore. Just get them to order it in. Uh, great Christmas gift. Do your, your Amazon shopping. Click on one of my books on my blog and go and do all your Amazon shopping. After you do that click and you'll be helping me out because I get a, a cut. Ha ha ha. 
It doesn't cost you any extra money. Um, next week, 20th. Yeah, we've got one, one more podcast before the end of the year. So this is a goodbye from me. Uh, don't you go changing. And uh, I'll talk to you next week. Ciao.